on today's show, Cavs trade needs guard, wing, and big. Which one is the biggest need? We're going to debate that on a new episode of Locked on Cavs. You are Locked on Cavs, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast. Welcome to this episode of Locked On Cavs. I'm Chris Manning. That is Evan Dammerl. Thanks again to Jake Stevens, as always, for his work on production. Today's show is all about trade needs. We are about a week away from the NBA trade deadline. We're into the home stretch. Let's get into where things stand, what the Cavs' needs are. We're going to go guard segment one. We're going to go wing segment two. And we're going to look at bigs in segment three. Evan, let's start with guard. Jake Fisher of Yahoo has reported the Cavs are looking for a veteran guard. Uh, To me, that's giving trading for Rajon Rondo after Ricky Rubio gets hurt energy. Like, that is not giving, like, this is a real substantial need. This is giving, we just, like, maybe want a veteran. That's where I stand. They're not playing a backup point guard now when they don't have Darius Garland. I'm not exactly sure why they would want or need a, a real veteran guard to come in and play minutes for them if they were to make that kind of trade. I mean, unless it's a guard that um, isn't like a point guard, quote unquote, which I know uh, is what Fisher was alluding to by sharing that intel, which I mean, I guess on paper makes sense by the sense that um, maybe you would like to have just like an insurance policy. So you're not running Don- Donovan Mitchell into the ground as much. And you're also not um, running Darius Garland to the ground as, or if Garland ever sits or else it's, you know, just if you can afford to give Garland the night off as he comes back to the floor, maybe that's the thought process. Like, I can understand the thought process there, but um, other than that, like, I can't think of a really oppressing need otherwise, because like you said, like the, the Cavs aren't playing a backup point guard right now. They aren't playing... Um, Craig Porter Jr., they're just leaning on Donovan Mitchell pretty heavily, and then a healthy dose of Karis LeVert, too. And unless, like, you have, like, a Karis LeVert trade lined up, and maybe then that makes more sense to have, like, that third guard coming off the bench for you. But yeah, I agree with you. Like, I, I just don't see, like, the overwhelming need for um, a backup point right now if that's exclusively what you're looking for right now after Cleveland. And, and I still think they're going to bring Craig Porter Jr. in on a real contract at some point. I know he's sure. not playing consistent minutes right now, but that to me just that's been in the ether for so long and you're on the 10 day deals right now. I feel like they're maximizing savings to some degree right now. And, and maybe that changes if they go trade for a veteran guard. Maybe there's something about Porter Jr. that makes them feel unsure about him for this moment, at least to flip mm-hmm. it on in its head a little bit. Evan, if you were going to make the argument of why they need to go get a guard, go trade for a veteran guard, what would the argument in, do you think would be to maybe go make that kind of move if that's what's being reported that they wanted to? Well, the reason you can make the argument to go get a veteran guard is just like I said, like you don't want to run Donovan Mitchell to the ground and the nights he rests Harris Garland or as Garland comes back from injury. Um, and then you also don't want to... Um, or just run Garland to the ground period. Like maybe there's nights you want to rest him and Mitchell both, but I don't know. I mean, it's, I guess, beneficial to have depth at every position. I think that's something the Cavs really want to lead on just with 
Ricky Rubio retiring. I think Ty Jerome being the other option, not working out either with him. We didn't talk about this on Monday show, but like the Cavs announced he had surgery um, to deal with that bothersome ankle injury. You'd assume like he's not going to play for the Cavs for at all this season at this point. Um, and then you look ahead like, yeah, maybe you do want to add like a guy who can give you a little bit of juice um, in terms of just like setting the table and being that backup guy. But again, it's not like an overwhelming need just because like you have dudes on this roster in Garland, Mitchell, Levert, Porter Jr., who we've talked about being a conversion option for Cleveland at some point, one way or another. Um, and then you just look ahead and say like, eh, there, there's other needs elsewhere, which we, we talked about a, quite a bit on the show at this point. It's a bigger wing type player um, that can really just play the three or four and shoot three balls for if you were looking at guards and you're gonna say okay like look at who's available think about who you want like okay like someone like um monty morris is like around but he's played two games this year he's had some injury stuff okay like i i don't think you that's really worth your scratch like maybe for someone like the wolves but is it for cleveland maybe not tyus jones i think he might command more than you could get or maybe it's in seconds but i don't know if a guy who i really like who is a very specific kind of point guard on an expiring deal is is that where you want to go that 14 million dollars is hard to match as well if you're cleveland um it's it's been reported that the wizards are looking i mean teams can look for whatever they want but i think the kyle lowry slash uh terry rosier trade kind of reset the market a little bit and it seems that the Wizards are looking for a first-round pick for Tyus Jones. Or even, like, if you look at uh, Washington's depth chart, if you just look down the line a little bit, like, even DeLon Wright, does that do much for you? Like, yeah, in a vacuum, if the Cavs desperately needed, like, point guard help, but they, they don't. Um, last season, or the season they traded for Rajon Rondo was also when they went to go get Karis LeVert as well, but that was soon after the fact. It was more so the fact that Ricky Rubio blew out his ACL, and then the Cavs ruled out. Um, oh my God, who was it? Uh, it wasn't Kevin Pangos. Um, don't remember. Does I don't think it matters. Anyway, it was a point guard who looked very overwhelmed by the moment, and I'm gonna look it up now because it's really gonna bother me. Yeah, it was Kevin Pangos. Um, and so he looks so overwhelmed by the moment. The Cavs are like, okay, we have to go get a backup point guard. Like, yeah, in that sense, it makes sense to go get one, just because like Garland is out your backup just tore his ACL and is done for the season. Like you need some type of point guard play to make this franchise and operation work, but you have Donovan Mitchell, you have Karis LeVert at this point, you do have Garland on the apex of returning to the floor at some point in the coming up, up next up few upcoming games, but we will see what happens at this juncture. But yeah, getting a backup point doesn't make sense unless it's like just another, uh, another scoring threat at the guard, a player that's more of like a swingman type player. If you make me squint hard enough, sure. But I also would assume, like, if you're bringing in a point, I, I don't think you make a trade. You look at the buyout market. Maybe Kyle Lowry doesn't want to go, go to Philly. Maybe he wants to come to Cleveland instead. Like, you get a guy with, like, that championship experience and also, like, a dude who can play if you ask him to as well versus, like, a veteran who just is completely washed. But even, like, the, 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 when, I, when you say the Pangos thing and someone looking overwhelmed, even if you're saying, okay, we are unsure about Craig Porter Jr. because he doesn't shoot well enough yet and, and teams are going to leave him open and like we don't know if we can trust yeah. him fully. You have, I don't think he, he is he's not, not overwhelmed. No, no, 
No, that that's what I'm trying to say. That's what I'm trying to say. He has never once looked overwhelmed as an NBA player. Craig Porter Jr., the best thing about him, you could say, is that he has come into the NBA and looked composed and looked like a guy who understands he belongs, understands what he is, and plays with a savvy. That is what got him run. That is what, when he's played, that's why he's played in 30 games on a two-way deal. That's why he's played like 60 minutes a game when he's played. That's why his numbers, considering he's a rookie, are, are pretty good, even if they're small. Yes, does he need to figure out how to shoot to really be a full-on NBA player? Absolutely. He is taking under a three a game. That's not going to cut it in the modern NBA. He's going to have to figure that out, but composure and looking overwhelmed and knowing where to knowing what to do with the ball and making winning basketball plays, that's not the issue. Pangos like, was physically overwhelmed despite being a, a long-season pro. That's not the case with, with Porter. Mm-hmm. And like he was... I, like he's One he's kind of given yeah he's given you more than what I thought like Ty Jerome was going to give you frankly in terms of quality yeah oh yeah in terms of quality just the fact that he's an undrafted rookie and the expectation was he wasn't going to play for the Cavs at all the injuries and things out of their control forced JV through staff's hand and he more than showed that he's comfortable with it and I mean the charge just kind of knew at that point they were never going to see uh, Craig Porter Jr. in a Cleveland Charge uniform the buddy of the elf ones but Interesting to note, uh, Bobby Marks noted this the other day. Um, on February second, Tristan Thompson's goes. Tristan Thompson goes on the sex suspended list, which you know forces the Cavs to lose. They have an open roster spot at that point. I think then is when you start to say like, okay, do they convert Craig Porter Jr. over at that point? And then this just kind of becomes a null and void argument because like they're going to keep doing this song and dance with Pete Nance on ten days until they get to the trade deadline and maybe round out their roster through that. And then maybe they convert Porter Jr. at some point during that. But like they're going to have two open roster spots or at least an additional open roster spot on February 2nd. Maybe then that's when Craig Porter Jr. is converted. And then the Cavs just don't really need to worry about a backup point. Because like you said, even though he like opposing defenses and opposing teams have on the scouting port, like sag off of him on the perimeter, like don't overcommit out there like he we will try to make him hurt us from out there. And sometimes he does and other times he doesn't, but like it's, it's a feast for teams that they can hide Craig Porter Jr. in the corner and just like really just wall off the calves on the interior. But um, he is smart and competent enough as a player to give you those minutes. He may not be ready to be like playing every single night, but like if you have to tap on him or call on his number, if you want to rest Mitchell and Garland, like, for certain games down the stretch this season, I, I think if you're Cleveland, you're more you have more than enough footage and experience with Craig Porter Jr. out there to know that like he won't be phased by the moment. All right, after this wing, we'll talk about wings, what kind of skills they need, and and why this remains the biggest need after this. Maybe not. Today's episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. Our partners at eBay Motors have teamed with Locked On Fantasy Basketball host Josh Lloyd to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week, all season long. Whether you're prepping for a daily draft or scouting the waiver wire, every week we're going to provide you players that are guaranteed to fit on your roster. So let's see who Josh has picked out for us on this week's eBay's Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Picks of the Week. He has John Conchar on the list, a name I like. The Grizzlies rotation, Josh writes, are up in the air, but Conchar is getting minutes and producing at the moment, and that is useful. And then there's Hornets rookie Brandon Miller. Miller, he writes, should be seeing a big uptick in usage with Terrorizer shipped out, and that makes him a must-roster player in fantasy. Josh Lloyd from Lockdown Fantasy Basketball 
is going to help you win your fantasy championship. And eBay Motors knows a championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. Same with your vehicle. eBay Motors has over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die. And you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. eBay Guaranteed Fit, only available to U.S. customers, eligible items only, exclusions apply. Uh, Evan, what's your, uh, if you, what is your, I, now I need to know, what's your favorite wing sauce? It's uh, lemon pepper wet. Um, the owner of Greenhouse Tavern is not a good guy after what he did to the staff that worked at that, that restaurant, but I think about their wings quite a bit, and it was a lemon pepper base fried in, um, I believe duck fat was the wings, and whew, they were really good. A really good brine, just really good stuff. What about you? What's your favorite sauce? I'm just love a buffalo, but pro tip for anyone in Cleveland who misses those wings. Um, they, they don't always have that exact flavor, uh, but the wings at Good Company, are they sometimes do have like the exact greenhouse wings over there, and their I'll wings in general in are, mind. are It's something I've been thinking about good. for almost 10 years. <laughs> yeah. Like, good company, I, I, I had them yeah. on my 22nd birthday and i was like these are incredible and then like it didn't go back for a while because i thought they'd always be there and then bada boom bada bing they no longer exist and it was a really sad day for me yeah uh those wings are very good but good company in cleveland has the closest i think you're gonna find to that kind of thing and their wings are smoked and very very good anyway Cavs, the Cavs needs on the wings. Evan, if I'm gonna, if I'm gonna, I'm gonna say something that I think could be a surprise to people that know how good I think this guy can be and what he actually provides is valuable. But I think if there's a spot they might need to just think about trying to find a different option, it is the Isaac Okoro spot. I'm not saying you trade Okoro necessarily. Mm-hmm. I don't think you really want to rush and do that. I think he's been darn good this year. He's shooting like nearly 36 percent from three. Two and a half attempts per game, uh, 6.4 shots a game overall, which is good. He's he's act a little more active as an offensive player. He's been awesome on defense. I mean, his birthday performance against Dame with the block was was awesome. But I, I what he looks like once they get these two bigs back is going to be a real question. And if you found another option to turn to who's actually going to just let shots fly at times, that maybe is a little bit bigger than to what Sam Merrill is. And I think Sam Merrill does give you real depth you should like. I, I that's that's the spot if I'm looking at the wings that I'm saying okay I want one I want a maybe more shoot heavy option in that space if we're gonna keep playing this this offensive heavy three point heavy style uh, when once Evan Mobley's back and we our spacing inevitably gets a little more cramped. Yeah, um, when it comes to Okoro, like he's really stepped up. I think the fact that the Cavs are playing faster this season helps quite a bit too in terms of just like what they can or cannot do offensively on the floor um just rather what he can or cannot do offensively on the floor and it makes life a lot easier for him and his teammates too um but just defensively what he gives you is so good and i know he is on a technically the last year of his deal he's an rfa this upcoming summer so the Cavs can match offers for him i do wonder if it's a guy they entertain trading but i feel like just because of that uh, upcoming restricted free agency maybe you don't want to have to deal with the song and dance possibly losing him for 
much less compared to what you could probably get for him right now. But um, you can always upgrade the spot just because I was texting friend of the program, Jordan Christmas, about Isaac actually yesterday because he's just like, I feel really good about my Isaac Okoro stock. I'm like, as you should. And he's like, and then we both text each other simultaneously. If only he shot more threes. So that's just always going to be the knock against Okoro. I think he's obviously looking much more comfortable offensively, but spacing wise just isn't still quite giving you fully what you need. So yeah, like you want to find upgrades offensively that work within the margins. I don't want to say like a fully on George Niang type move where like you're, I don't want to say like a total net negative defensively, but like overwhelming three point shooting offensively, but like a guy who's a hair above or two hairs above, like what Dean Wade gives you three point shooting wise, but can kind of give you some of that really passable defense based on the position. It's kind of the vein of player you're looking at. And, but the problem is those players are a premium commodity too. So like in the Cavs who are asset starved, don't really have much to work with in terms of maybe getting guys like that on this roster. The, the, the name that kind of comes to mind for me is Royce O'Neal. Obviously a Donovan Same. Mitchell confidant. Just been kind of thrown out there, I think by Sam Vecini and others that it, it's not going to be a first for him. So, you can theoretically afford him. The salary matching is is where it gets like a little tricky just to figure out who you're actually sending out. That's where the Okoro stuff maybe comes in. But the, the what I think having the Cavs ability to get someone who could help them, whether it's O'Neal, whether it's Dorian Finney-Smith, whether it's somebody else, uh, I think it's going to come down come down to what the price like ultimately is yeah, for these guys, like what it looks like. We don't and we don't. There, there's a week to go. And we don't what how this market breaks and shapes in the next week is I think going to do have a lot to say about where the Cavs can actually improve. That's disgusting because I turned 31 the day after the trade deadline. Um, it's been reported at least that DFS the asking price is two first round picks. So, which he's not worth. Some, he's a good player. He's, he's not, not. He's, he's not, not worth that. He's not at his worth age that. and the fact that like he's having like this astronomically weird year shooting wise. Like. I think he's a fun player, and I think there's going to be a team that either finds a way to match Brooklyn's asking price, or maybe the Nets are just you know shooting high but expecting less, whatever. But um, yeah, I think Royce O'Neal's the dude that like you kind of put a pin in. You're thinking like, okay, yeah, maybe him, um, just because like he could be the cheaper option. Like Bruce Brown, that'd be awesome too. But like he's purportedly being asked for a first round pick. And then you get into like the minutia of it. Like you start looking at like really bigger contracts at that point. Like Jeremy Grant was a guy that was linked to the Cavs at one point. And I just don't think that's realistic unless like the Cavs are making like some holistic wholesale changes on the interior on stuff, just like what they have rotation wise. And like, again, the need position wise that the Cavs have is a pretty universal need for most teams. And the play- team that has players that are available for trade in those situations, um, aren't going to be cheap so that's the problem and sometimes you just have to kind of roll the dice and hope for the best or you make small internal improvements just to add you another depth guy and like royce o'neill could be that dude and if it costs you let's say i'm looking at the salary now just to kind of have it in front of me um like he is making 9.5 million and if that causes you to give up let's say dean wade and like uh, Ty Jerome's contract to get that off your books and you have to give an additional second like two second round picks with that would you be comfortable giving that up for Royce O'Neal just to make like that smaller move to kind of like push you towards more of what you need even though he is 
not the same player he once was. He is a step slower defensively and his shoot three point shooting upside, like isn't like as high as it once was like during his heydays in you. Hit me, hit me with that to say that trade to me one more time. Just like five, five percent slower. Um, okay. Five percent slower. Dean Wade, Ty Jerome and two second rounders, like considering what Cleveland has right now, they have, Golden State's in 2024, protected 31 through 55, so probably won't convey. Um, 2025 second rounder via Milwaukee, their own second rounder, and then their own second rounder in 2026 and 2027. They also have Denver's in 2027. They have a whole lot of second rounders until 2030, which is like the first they can theoretically trade with swaps attached to them. So yeah, it'd be two seconds, Wade and Jerome for... um, Royce O'Neal. Probably. Pro- like, might that to hedge? And they're like, you hear he's not expiring, so you have to figure out, like, are we bringing him back? What does that look like? But I think yes, even though Dean Wade has been really good of late. Um, but, like, yeah. look, for the, Cavs, for the Cavs to get someone that actually helps them and that would be notable, they're going to have to break some kind of egg, whether it's Dean Wade or whether it's Okoro. Like, there's going to be some name that people have feelings about one way or the other that I think it's not just going to be like, oh, we have this dead salary we can flip. And I don't think there's a Karis LeVert trade staring you in the face right now. So, yeah, I think it, I think it's Wade would be one of the guys. It's either like Okoro. I think Okoro's within like 600000 of what O'Neal's making. Wade plus Jerome or Damian Jones. You just go get a better center on the, on the market. All right, speaking of centers... We'll talk well, about Damian Jones. Yeah, one more name What's to up? float your way. Um, I know he hasn't played much, but would Torrey Craig be worth getting a taking a stab at with Chicago? He's making two point five million over the next two years. Yeah, really cheap. Uh, I don't know if he's in. I I I don't know. O'Neal to me would be in the playoff rotation for sure, yeah, and I don't I don't think Craig necessarily would be. That there's that's the differentiator to me. So like, okay, like looking at that through that vein, I agree. It's just more so if you don't want to sacrifice like your Dean Wade or something like your Dean Wade yeah. chip if you think Dean Wade is more of a rotation guy than Royce O'Neal is just because he has a better understanding of the system etc cetera, etc cetera. but like Torrey Craig could just be another wing type player who has not played much if at all this season for Chicago because of a heel injury but like he's making two and a half million you could tie Jerome and maybe you send a second rounder or two to go get him instead you're not giving up Dean Wade who is a much more valuable rotation guy. Yeah, Tory Craig has not played since December 16th, Chicago. Yeah, so maybe maybe that's like the buy low kind of wing yeah, big like forward you option just, you could go there. Maybe he gets healthy, gives you some juice during the regular season so you don't have to overtax your other guys. And at least he's a veteran. Like He's not going to be totally overwhelmed by the moment, but also like he's not like the dude that you have penciled into your rotation come playoff time. After this, we're going to get into bigs what do the Cavs need do they need to go get a big after this today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn at the start of every new year small business owners are asking themselves the same question what is the one move I can make that will take my business to the next level in 2024 LinkedIn jobs knows your success all depends on the team you surround yourself with That's why LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to help find the right professionals 
for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn also isn't just another job board. They have a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Hiring is easy when you have that many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn also knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. Thankfully, with LinkedIn, the process is intuitive, quick, and easy. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked.mba. That is linkedin.com slash locked.mba to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. So I, I really don't think, Evan, the Cavs need to prioritize a big Damian Jones was better the other night than he was. He wasn't a disaster that that we've seen from him of late. Certainly like, would you like a, you just need a body there. I think to eat minutes and Mobley's coming back. And then I think you're probably going to skew smaller anyway and play more Mobley on his own with no other big. I think that's where this feels like it should be headed. So I, I, to me, this is very clearly the, the least need that Cleveland has is going to get a big. Yeah, um, especially with Jones looking a little bit better against Milwaukee. I think that has maybe walked back the belief maybe um, that the Cavs could look at the market at least just to consider their options because when Tristan Thompson comes back in March, he is going to be you know with a clean nose at that point. He's probably going to be physically much, much different than what we last saw him with just because of not having the uh, luxury of HTH and PEDs in his system. But... Yeah, Jones has played better, but like to your point, um, you obviously start the games with Mobley and Allen when this team's fully healthy, but you stagger their minutes with one of them's always on the floor at center, and the goal is obviously to surround them with much shooting as possible, like they have done with Allen lately and shown a lot of success with, and you just continue that ethos and kind of mentality and thought process because come playoff time, like neither Jones nor Thompson will be in the rotation. You're going to be leaning more on shooting, ball handling, and just wing depth at that point. Like, yeah, if you had to rank this out, it's wing depth, like, one, two, three, four, and five, maybe six, seven, and eight, and then nine is back a point guard, and then ten is back up big, and you can flip flop those two just based on the day or just how the team looks depth wise at that position on on a certain game. I think wing is the only position I would look at that I think this could actually improve the team. If you're looking at a spot just to add into what they do and add into what has worked over this 10 game run and this, this, this winning streak like that, that to me is kind of the only spot on the floor that I think is potential elevating. A backup guard is not going to play for you in the playoffs. Another center is not going to play for you in the playoffs. If you go get the right wing who can shoot threes and defend and be competent, that guy is potentially playing in the playoffs for you. If you can do better than you did last year in getting Danny green, and get a Royce O'Neal, get a Dorian Finney-Smith, get, you know, there's not maybe a ton of names and what the price will be will say a lot, but if you can get a name that can actually help you, that's the only play, kind of player I can see actually playing for you in the playoffs and, and maximizing the ceiling of the team. Otherwise, it's just depth pieces and you're moving deck chairs, and that's fine, but it doesn't really do a lot for me. Yeah, moving deck chairs only does so much to you because it does shake up the status quo, maybe some chemistry and comfortability that the players have with one another and the coaching staff just because 
you bring in too many faces at this point in the season and you're swapping out guys just to make lateral moves. It's just one asset mismanagement probably because you're using those draft picks, the very few draft picks you have remaining. And then just kind of, like you said, just moving and shifting stuff around. Unless like a player becomes available that is like a clear bona fide need and it costs the Cavs like a combination of Karis Levert and Isaac Okoro. Like, yeah, then you have that conversation internally to say like, this makes us like, much much better than what those two players are giving us but with how well this team has played without garland and mobley i think it makes me personally hesitant to say that the Cavs need to like shake things up like they have had a lot of guys step up and find a lot of comfort and just comfort within their roles and their expectations of this team where i'm at the point where like I would not trade Jared Allen. I would definitely not trade Donovan Mitchell, of course. I would not trade Max Struess. I would not trade Isaac Okoro. I would not trade Karis LeVert. Garland and Mobley are obviously off the table, too. That's seven players. George Niang, I would say maybe you entertain it, but like also he is like that locker room culture, like not culture, but like he's that one of those vets that the guys kind of gravitate to because he's willing to be the butt of the joke. Most likely, to, most likely to push another play on another team. Like he's literally the the... the the guy who's getting into with other teams more than anybody else. Yeah, like he he's the guy who will talk crap the entire both ends of the floor to the opposing bench, the opposing team. Like you kind of need guys like that on your team. Um then you're like, but the problem is then like you start getting down this list, like Dean Wade is like the last big salary that maybe you'd consider moving because he's making 5.7 million. Then you're looking at Sam Merrill, Ty Jerome, Tristan Thompson, um, Damian Jones. Like Jones and Jerome are making 2.5 million. Merrill's making 2.1. I don't think you move Merrill. Like you're looking to obviously move Jerome, maybe Jones if you're able to find like tangible upgrades just to add more depth at certain needs. But like no team is like going to be juicing themselves up to trade Tristan Thompson on the veteran minimum after Tristan Thompson is done juicing himself up. So. Um, and then other than that, it's the two-way guys and draft picks. And so, like, the Cavs are kind of landlocked right now. I think it's a better problem to have considering how well this team has played without two of their most important players. But you just kind of take a temperature check at the market. Maybe you can find some of those smaller moves that can make you better rotation-wise that maybe offload some of the players that didn't work, i.e. Jerome or Jones, not Milwaukee games notwithstanding. But... Yeah, like backup big isn't like a super pressing need. Like I thought about like, uh, maybe the the Cavs swing for Xavier Tillman, even though he's starting for the Grizzlies lately. But like, no, with Mobley coming back and the Cavs clearly prioritizing shooting around their bigs, like there's not really a need to having like two big lineups on the floor at all times. Is his name pronounced Xavier? I thought it was Xavier Tillman, not Xavier Tillman. Yeah, I don't know. I just never, I've never heard a single person ever pronounce it Zavius. So now I'm going to have to figure that out. Right, we're going to end there. I'm Chris Manning. That's Evan Damerel. Thanks to Jake Stevens as always. Back after Cavs Pistons. Oh, it's Pistons. Xavier Tillman. Xavier just, Tillman. It's Xavier. Sorry. I'm sorry. I'm wrong. I thought it was Xavier Tillman. You just really threw me and you're making things a lot. You do a lot of French. We oui, oui. know. Yeah. All right. And there. Talk to you Thursday after Cavs Pistons. A game the Cavs probably should win. Talk to you then. Enjoy the rest of your day.